0: You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Very good Johnson. From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California... This is AfterBuzz TV for Season 4, Episode 6 of Californication. Tonight's host is Kevin Undergaro. Joining Kevin will be AfterBuzz co-hosts Phil Svitek and Stuart Lill. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest Californication news and gossip. We want to hear from you, too. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 347-855-8269. That's 347-855-8269. And now, picking up where the show leaves off and the buzz. Continues. Kevin Undergaro.
1: Thank you very much, Sir Richard Wentworth, here for California Vacation Season Four, Episode Six, entitled "Lawyers, Guns, and Money." Stu, where did they get that title from? Uh, Gosh, I, I don't know. what bum 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 bum
2: bum 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 uh, clearly, uh, out of everything that happened in the episode. No, okay, you both. Yes,
1: yes, but the double entendre is, in fact, from a Warren Zevon uh, hit song. Boy, um, and do you either either of you know who Warren Zevon no, is? I, I didn't want to admit that. But I was okay, well, wrong. it's very would be reall- very relevant, I would think, to Hank Moody, and we know Tom Capinos has said often that Hank's character is into one kind of uh, music, probably classic, uh, classic hits, mm-hmm. and that is all he's loyal to. So it's, it's very appropriate, and uh, it's a great song. Uh, Warren's Yvonne, great artist. I know we lost him to lung cancer, I think about five to 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but a fantastic song non- nonetheless, Lawyers, Guns, and Back Money. in
0: the late 70s, I was uh, working on the album, Excitable Boy, and uh, I decided I needed a vacation. So I went to Kauai in the Hawaiian Islands, and I wrote this song late one night on wet cocktail napkins after a long day of improbable and grotesque mischief. Obviously, I, I survived all that, but I learned something from the experience. I never take vacations. Do. How was I? No, she was with the Russians too. Huh? I was gambling in Havana.
1: Keep going. I want to get the I refrain, Phil. Hang on.
0: Yeah.
1: Send lawyers guns, guns and money. Dad, Dad get, get me out of here. this. Okay. Great work. Great work is by that, the one hate? and only Phil's Feed Tech. Nice work, Phil. We uh, DJ Jesse Janity is unfortunately covering the Grammys for us tonight. Not available. Nice. Not yeoman work in the booth, Phil. That, in fact, was. Uh, an interview with Warren Zevon, and that was an acoustic version of the song. But check out the produced version as well. Was that Hanks' uh, anthem? I mean, right? Anthem? Doesn't yeah. it sound very close? <laughs> yeah. Ironically, and again, this is the brilliance of this writing and how layered it is. How everything just seems to connect to something. Um, once again, Phil, thank you very much for that treat. And uh, and yeah, you youngins out there, yeah, just uh, go dig up some Warren Zevon. You'll you'll be thankful. Anyway, we have a great opening on this. Uh, we see. Uh, Hank talking to Abby, and as he's talking, he's using his flask to add uh, whiskey into his coffee, and he moves over to her, and uh, we, of course, find out the photo from last week. Him in the compromising position with the two very, very young girls has now gone all over the internet, and she drops him uh, as a client, and her outline is, she's right. You're a dick. (laughs) And then we go to the (laughs) opening. So uh, another great opening um, sets the tone for yet, uh, I would say, another downward spiral. But it's his spiral continuing to go down. Like, we have these momentary stops. Mm -hmm. But then it's just like, it's almost like the marble starts rolling back again. into the. I
3: I mean, I don't know, because Abby said it perfectly. I mean, he said it perfectly to Karen, um, excuse me, um, that he's hit rock bottom. So, which after we discover these uh, photos that are on the internet, I mean, the whole episode was basically just kind of sh- it. I mean, it kind of showed how it it a- as as uh, horrible and kind of like how it affected Hank in terms of the movie, um, how people are dropping him, and I mean his lawyer and the and, and Sasha leaving all that. It it didn't affect him as much as you would think it would. Maybe like earlier, like last season, like if that photo had come out, that would have been uh, like so catastrophic. So do you think he's just
1: becoming numb?
3: Yeah. It's becoming numb I, as
1: it's, I mean, I was wondering if this has always been his character. Uh uh-huh. I mean, I, I don't think to I react just, like this. Like, oh well, you you know, life sucks. Then you die anyway. So I I could have already told you that. Uh huh. Um, but is he but no, I I appreciate that if if he's arcing to even be more numb than he would be in past seasons. Mm-hmm. Is I, that what you think?
3: I mean, I don't know. I, I the way I look at this whole movie um, was that, and I don't know if. Because I thought Hank was kind of working on himself, but now it seems like, like you know, yeah, shit happens. And well, he's doing course, one this, step forward. He's life. doing
1: like a step forward, two steps back, or yeah. three steps back.
3: Yeah, but it, it but it's gotten to the point where it's, it's, I mean, like going forward is just treading. I mean, there's not there's not actually going any. He's not actually going anywhere. It's just always back. I mean, it, but it's gotten even to that point where yeah, there's, no, there's, that's what I said.
1: The marble stops. It yeah, doesn't, okay. and go back up the yeah, chute, yeah, yeah. Right. so to speak, or, or you know, or the spiral. It just it just momentarily stops.
3: But it just it just. I mean, he's been accused of of being a uh, of statutory rape uh, of an un, you know pedophile, whatever. I mean, this. I mean. The picture, I'm Does anybody you just, know, I don't think he could go any further back. I, he, could be, he could commit
1: murder. I and, mean, and unless really... he
3: ends up in prison. Yeah, but even then.
1: <laughs> well, he's in prison. I mean, yeah. you know, he's not going to have 20-year-olds you know, 20, 20 taking their shirts off saying that, well, the good news is I'll have sex with yeah, you. Right. I, I, here's the thing that I, I keep going back to. I know I talked about it last week. Does anyone do a downward spiral better than this guy? I mean, if if I could ever I've had too many downward spirals and they were never like this. They were never hard girls who just wanted to randomly have sex with me. There was it was never like that. Yeah. It was just hell. Yeah. So I love how this guy, you know, he at least gets these nice consolation prizes along the way.
3: hmm Um Yeah, no, I'm definitely glad he's not the the type who uh who feels sorry for himself to the point where uh yeah, he just uh becomes a recluse to uh strictly do a room and pisses in jars and and never look, sees the light of day. No, he's he's getting laid. He's uh, well,
1: <laughs> you know, and it, and it brings up a point: is the Hank Moody life realistic? In our special segment, mm-hmm. we're going to break that down because I conducted a little bit of a social experiment. I'm where I, I where I went out to a strip bar alone to see if I could in
3: fact be Hank Moody. I I uh, I can I could I think I can see it, Kevin. I, did you? Uh, you didn't get a haircut or anything, so you didn't do any, any uh, Listen, we're gonna real big changes, the special, from what I can see. We're going
1: to save it for the special segment. Uh-huh, okay. But it was interesting to see if you, in fact, can be Hank Moody. Okay. Can you go out, can you live that life, and can you get that kind of attention? Is it realistic in L.A.? Now, of course, we're not going to be able to answer it in one night mm-hmm. or in one occasion, but I think I came pretty close. I'm excited in the special segment to talk okay. about Okay. <laughs> so we see Marcy go to our favorite character actor's house and uh. God, I'm down on myself because I've been so busy today. I wanted to get the actual credits. uh, The actor from Groundhog's Day uh, um, playing uh, Stu, the Ah. producer, Mm -hmm. who produced Urban Cowboy. Another movie you probably neither of you have heard about. Oh, I've I've heard.
2: That that was a real movie. I thought it was sort of one of those things where (laughs) it's a fake movie um, and they just plug it in. I
1: think it was Travolta
2: and
1: I think it was – Travolta or Redford? You'd have to look it up. It's it's Travolta. It's Travolta, yeah. yeah. And he had like a, a like a shirt all lit up with lights, and it was it was a flop. Wasn't this his
3: big? No, I mean, you should have said said was a flop, but di- wasn't this kind of the one that got him into the spotlight? Or no? I mean, no, I know Grease no, was no, the no. big, no, Saturday, ultimate, Saturday, Saturday fever, Saturday like night yeah,
1: no, which was a, which was a, which was yeah, it
3: was. I mean, I seen he's got like kind of a fan.
1: flared cowboy shirt and everything. I just, I think it was. I mean, I remember as a little, little kid seeing it and. And I remember my parents not really being into it. And I mean, obviously, they're making fun of it. She said it was her guilty pleasure. To a degree, they're making fun of it, Stu and, and Marcy. But it, it feels as though, and we've said this before, Marcy may have met her guy.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting because last episode, uh, Runkle was shaving himself. And cuts himself severely, and she has to take him. I mean, but anyways, he was cleaning up his genitals, um, getting the the Kim. But Kirk she's removing
1: hair as well. And that, do you think that was symbolic? Yeah, I, I think Great it was. writing. Yeah, it was. Great work.
3: Yeah, I I picked up. It was just like it was just ironic that yeah. Now she's giving the wax. something not, I mean a wax, not shaving them, But but still, yeah, it just symbolizes that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe she's done it. Uh, help me out here.
1: Um, <laughs> Oh what help you with what? No, Never mind. Stu, you're getting all nervous. What's the matter? I, I don't know. I just see, Stu do has these, like these ADD like moments as a, as a as a writer. Do you write all your ideas down? Do you forget them?
3: <laughs> oh, no, no. It drives me nuts if I f- I write everything down. You even if it's to, a bad idea, it. even if I forget it later and I knew it was a bad idea, it drives me nuts that I can't remember what that bad idea
1: remember. was. Yeah, yeah okay. Okay.
2: I write I can everything see down. That. I can see that. We deal with <laughs> well, this every week. Stu admitted on our Southland show that he has trouble with symbolism and putting it into his stories. Wor- I've been working on it this really? week. Really? So yeah. 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 Well, see,
1: now from from watching these shows and, and hearing me blab, yeah, 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 you're picking it up. Yes. And I'll tell you, it's one of the that and production design aren't really taught in a lot of film schools. Mm-hmm. It's I, it's almost something that's adapted or picked up. Robert McKee uh, is a, is a great. Um, screenwriting teacher, and he has classes that literally uh, are worldwide.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. And I know he only comes to certain areas. He's getting older, and if you are an aspiring writer, I wholeheartedly recommend checking him out. But he always goes over that imagery, symbolism in your writing, and he talks about production design, actually, when you're filming, but then also in script, Hmm. the, the dialogue and having a subtext to your dialogue and having things tied together uh, through uh, allegory symbolism. You just wrote that down, Stu, right? Yeah, Robert McKee. Uh, the,
2: the term he uses is key imagery. Um, you know, like in American Beauty, the key imagery for that was anything that symbolizes beauty. Um, and in this, obviously, would, anything that sort of symbolizes chaos or the white picket fence, I guess.
1: And so, you know, Phil was, I remember it was a year or two ago, I recommended Phil take it. And, uh, Phil, you were... You were happy with that class, with Robert McKee's class.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a four-day class, and uh, but it's really intense. And uh, like he says, marriage, uh, marriages have come out of his class. That's how, like, uh, you know, intense the class is for everyone, uh, such an experience of learning and uh, bonding with fellow writers. It's a so. great
1: – it just accelerates you. I mean, I know you, you went to one of the better institutions, uh, Stu, and, you know, you studied for four years, Obviously you'll get better with life experience and with just doing it, doing the writing. But the McKee class is it's a great topper mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. And a lot of stars take the class and development executives and studio executives take the class and then they retake it as they're either going over a script or they're writing a script. Yeah. It's that powerful. Anyway, we see Marcy with Stu, and I love Stu's I don't know if you noticed the old popcorn machine in the back, and I, I totally buy that because he's probably one of the few with a, a projection, a real 35mm projector. Mm-hmm. As opposed to today, we all have digital projectors. Yeah. And some of these, you know, the old producers or the eccentrics still do the um, the big giant reels of film. Um, a friend of mine actually has a setup, but he uses the digital projector, but he the, the projector... 35-millimeter projector was so big that he just left it in the wall. He just blocked up the little hole. He was like, it was too big to remove and too heavy. Mm-hmm. But I love it. I love seeing Stu making his move. And, you know, Stu said this. We saw Stu a few weeks ago, say, I'm a one-woman kind of guy. So clearly these two are going down the path together, Yeah. maybe to have something special. So I'm happy for Marcy, happy for Stu, too. Mm-hmm.
3: You like that exposition. Uh, you, you were very on top of it when, when – um... When he said he was going to turn in all those all the film
1: stuff that he had to USC and and then she's said why it's like
3: because uh, I don't have a family and
1: uh, because oh of- right right you yeah. know exposition you know when you have to get out those important facts for yeah. your script uh, a bad writer will just have that exposition come out in a very unnatural way and some um, on a way that we often say is quote on the nose end mm. quote yeah. so it's that information you need we need to know that he's had three wives, that those wives hasn't, haven't worked, that he's been a workaholic and that's what's killed his, um, his chance at finding true love. We need to know that. But for him to just come out and say this to Marcy um, and just to blurt it out and get this exposition out uh, in, in a way where he does just blurt it out after he's just met her is not natural. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't talk like that. You're not going to say that to somebody you've known for All right. uh, maybe a day and a half. But when he... The way they these writers get this exposition out is through him talking about donating these films to USC. He's mm-hmm. like, well, if you want to see the film, you have to stay tonight. If you want to see Urban Cowboy, this film that I produced, if you want to see it, you have to stay tonight because next week it's all getting do- donated. Well, why would you donate all your works? And he explains, I want to leave something behind because I have, I have no family. I have nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: did... Did Runkle find out – oh, I mean, did they find out yet yeah, whose baby that was? Or if uh, – No. Marcy? Okay, so I no. was thinking, um, like, Stu is – So
1: Stu's going to get an instant family. St- yeah. Which is what he's after. Right. And, and like Runkle's
3: going to be – like, Runkle's obviously kind of taking over the Hank role, kind of getting laid left and right as well. Um, God, he's, he's so funny. I, I mean, he's he's always he's always loved Marcy, but now he's, now he's doing therapy himself to try and get over this. Um, but, yeah, now he's going to figure out real quick that he – He's gonna want that kid uh, I mean I, maybe I, yeah I feel like that's what or maybe the, he's
1: gonna or maybe or maybe he's going to say you know what it's better for the kid to have for his life I don't know I mean I' don't, I mean I probably I, not I yeah. think you're right <laughs> he'll probably want his kid
3: yeah I I I'm doing a lot of uh, 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 yeah I mean, all right <laughs> okay all right all right I get it I get it by the way
1: I think the wax clean slate that's what it symbolizes bam the wax yeah. waxing oh it' was a clean slate Yeah, a clean slate so waxing his back. Clean slate, fresh start, Fresh start. relationship. There we go. Great. So there's your symbolism. There's your symbolism. And your
2: exposition, though, Do you see what I was saying was they got it out in a very yeah, neat no. way. I really like that. Yeah. I think, I mean, uh, most good exposition comes off in many times as ammunition. Uh, in this case, obviously, being that he wanted to not necessarily sleep with her, but spend more time with her. And so, you know. And right, and let her know who he is. Yeah. You know,
1: and, and I mean, so she would only like him more. But we as the audience know. That he's not a sleaze. I think.
3: I think it also, uh, especially the kiss, kind of came out that those wives weren't particularly people he was in love with. Because did you see how he kind of lunged for her, kind of like he had no idea how to kiss a woman? Yeah, he's awkward. He's <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not very. So good it's at like trip. it seems like it's from his power that he got wives in the past, not from.
1: Or, yeah, he said work's been a mistress. Yeah, yeah work. Yeah, work. Literally. That it, took everything, you know, he had. He yeah, gave yeah, nothing back. So anyway, interesting stuff and good writing and, and I and again I love that actor. Yeah. Um moving on to Abby. We we touched upon her in the opening where she fires Hank. Mm-hmm. Um Becca finds out that he's fired his lawyer and knows, okay, well, now you're really screwed. If you are uh, oh, excuse me, Karen oh, okay. finds out. Sorry about that. So just correct me. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm not good with these names. But when Karen finds out he lost his lawyer, she's like, okay, you're you're so screwed. And, and I care about you, but I care more about the fact that you're Becca's dad. Mm-hmm. And if you lose this, you're going to crush her, and you're going to crush yourself. You've got to get this lawyer back. He's pretty beaten down. Doesn't seem like he's willing to do anything at this point. She goes to see the attorney. And she really is able to get through to the attorney. But again, the attorney is a... We've learned is is someone who's a a writer herself, yeah, and knows people very well too, and knows people well enough to know that, you know, Hank is decent, mm-hmm. and and deserves a shot, and is just really messed up. And I know it um, was good. You were enjoying some of the repertoire between the two of them, uh, with Karen and Abby, or? yes,
3: yeah. Um, I just thought it was interesting. I mean, you know, Karen's just saying all the great qualities about Hank that that Abby knows her nose is there, but she hasn't seen
1: it. I mean, in a way, only through the smile. Um, right. And, uh, but she also said, Hank wants to be punished. Hank wants to be punished. Which, yeah. you know, and that's the, why he took the punch to the face. uh uh-huh. And she knows this because, again, she, she's already let us know she's a writer too. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah, I don't know, but, but Abby, it's, I mean, I, I, I I've seen this coming in terms of the, the whole love interest thing, and now that Karen's, like, really proved it to her that, that, that who who Hank is I mean just by coming you know from personal experience i I don't know I don't know if this is gonna serve Hank particularly well um especially after they uh, they sleep together eventually um because I mean it seems like Abby's going after the person that she would never could become and uh that Hank kind of embodies' a, a kind of a tortured soul in a way but I what, mean, she what she is Which she is as and well. and the
1: reason she's like I think she also got readjusted to say, hey, my life's been about meaningless sex and work. Mm -hmm. That's what she said. She Remember, she resigned herself to the fact that, in a sense, the difference between me and you, Hank, is, Hank, you're who you are, but you keep trying to coexist with the crazy life and the white picket fence. Mm -hmm. I know there can be no coexistence. Yeah. So I have my random sex, and I work my ass off as a lawyer, and that's how it works. Mm -hmm. You think you can you don't understand that you don't you don't you can't have one feed the other right. one's going to destroy the other right. that's what she told Hank last week mm-hmm. so for her to show up and hire him back she got talked back into it by by Karen but it was like okay tomorrow we'll deal with that tonight let's just have sex yeah yeah cuz that's who she is you yeah. know she's a lot like Hank in that regard and i think that's going to
3: damage the relationship i think that that her coming yeah just kind of going back to herself kind of like what her uh, I told
1: you interim relationship yeah. we all
3: have them yeah, yeah she's yeah. the
1: she's the relationship before but the relationship. but I mean Karen
3: was basically saying that she herself she's like I'm might probably will never see Hank become that guy again so it was almost as if she was kind of saying she was the interim relationship um, right and and that's what I've I mean Karen to this whole series it's like she's paying for not pushing Hank away far enough she's always going back to him and and she she always sees like a glimmer of hope but Hank always disappoints her, and and my ultimate belief, my ultimate prediction is that when the however uh, this movie turns out, um, however much effort Hank puts into it, like I I feel like this whole movie is a, uh, is, uh, especially getting into this when we're discussing him and Eddie is is a it's a, it's a form of therapy for him, and it's him basically um, making amends in a way, kind of seeing who he was and kind of putting it out there for the world, and I think he's gonna really kind of go after showing his true I mean showing his inner demons to everyone but also Karen because Karen's the only one who really knows Hank better than anyone. And uh I don't know I, I don't know what's gonna be like after this movie between him and him and Karen. Um but I, I, I think that I think that's where this is But you think the movie's
1: gonna be a good thing? Yeah it's, it's gonna provide healing. I think it will. think it will well, let's talk Eddie okay. Nero. Okay. I think Brad Pitt is amazing. <laughs> I, I mean I love him. I mean do you, are you familiar with his work Stu or are you too young? Uh Brad Pitt yeah, not Brad Pitt. Excuse me, God, he's—they're uh, he's, actually joking there. You have to I was correct me. Like, no, <laughs> you have to correct me. I'm sorry, Rob, Rob Lowe. Lowe, who's uh, doing a little bit of Pitt. He said uh, <laughs> in this role, so I'm sorry, and uh, I mean at least mimicking the look. But he said it's a little—it's yeah, a little bit of Brad Pitt.
2: Yeah. Uh, are no, you familiar with Rob Lowe's n- work? Not, not, not. No, not Phil, expense, are you? No. I am not. No, but uh, I'm excited to talk about this because of the comparison I made, and then Becca steals it with her. Uh, with her or, or deal with her tattoo, yes so i I
1: love this character of this of this actor who is um, living the role, so to speak, and one of these guys who gets totally consumed in the role i mean you 're true like artiste, mm-hmm. and I love his exchanges with Hank, I think he 's doing a great job, yeah do you do you, I mean do you feel like it's a it's a it's a parody of the character or do you feel as though Roblo's really doing well with this.
3: No, I think it's doing really well. I, I, it's. Uh, I mean, I know we talked about this is hyper real, but at the same time, it's not. It's not. I'm not sick of it. I'm not. I'm not tired of it. I, I'm looking forward to what Roblo is doing next because he, you know, because he talked about being three dimensional and stuff. And I mean, we were seeing more sides to him every episode. So it's, so it's not just strictly him being a billy goat coming in and grabbing balls and. and, and right. There's a and, method to his madness. There's a method, like we. Yeah. So we and now in this episode we kind of learned how he became the Academy Award-winning actor, which was a really disgusting way, It fit his character perfectly. But right. Everything, everything's Everything consistent.
1: And and and, and uh, Runkle agreeing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And then Runkle t- accepting a kiss on the lips, and you could see in the shot he, he his eye, Runkle's eyes wander to the side. Oh, I miss that to look at Brad to look at um, Hank. Yeah. Like, uh, what's he doing? But I love how Runkle is so down for the cause. Yeah. He so goes with it.
3: No, um, no, that's a great agent right there. I, I don't, I don't, know. I mean, any other guy would just get up and leave uh, after, after getting his balls uh, grabbed by him. But no, but Runkle's there for the meetings, for, <laughs> for, for Hank, for, for, uh, for so a, a suicides funny. and and all this stuff. But yeah.
2: <laughs> well, for for me, the the interaction between uh, Eddie and Hank reminds me of much of. Uh, What Mickey Rourke did with Charles Bukowski when they were uh, doing their uh, Barfly movie back in – well, it it released in 1987, so probably uh, uh, 1986 they shot it. But uh, I've seen the movie. I've read Bukowski's Hollywood, which is um, – So
1: Bukowski – let's back up. So Bukowski was was a writer, correct? Yes. And Barfly is a movie based on his days of hard drinking in Hollywood.
2: Yes, as written by – Charles Bukowski. Uh,
1: right. He wrote about it. And Mickey Rourke plays him, plays yes. Bukowski, in the movie Barfly. Yes, indeed. Okay. And, uh, so now we have, the the comparison is, we've got Rob Lowe, who is going to be playing Hank in a movie about Hank's life. Yes. That Hank is writing.
2: Indeed. So it's a, it's a very um, accurate analogy. Yes, indeed. Indeed. And... Uh, Unfortunately, Becca stole it from me on the show. What did Becca say? She uh she called out Hank as being a Bukowski type.
1: She said that, ah, "Okay, and then you picked that up
2: very good." Well, I I met, I saw I wrote that down before she ever said it, and then as she said it, I was so uh perturbed at her because she I felt like they stole it from me. <laughs> but I guess there in many ways they were um nodding to it that that in fact is what they're were they borrowing from. And he's
1: he he said uh the Roblo character Eddie Says to Hank, "You know, you you're not an artist." And he said, uh, "I'm a no, I'm a writer. I think I type. I drink. Lather, rinse, repeat." Yeah. So.
3: And 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 uh, Eddie calls him a pretender, right? Right. And uh, but he didn't become an artist until and then. He explains um, his method of how he became an uh,
1: agent. Get us some whores. Yeah,
3: agent get us some
1: whores. Okay, down. I see a couple of girls at the bar. Runkle goes right into. It. <laughs> <laughs> so funny, <laughs> and they go to the tattoo parlor where there's Becker getting a tattoo
2: on her forearm, needs $100. Uh, I missed
1: it. Did you see what the tattoo was? I didn't. Phil, did you see it?
2: I did not. I um, I don't think they showed us a very clear image of it, but it was more about, like, the permanence for me Uh. of putting something on your body, um, being tainted in that way. And and you mentioned it, Kev, as we were watching it. uh, That's a very visible spot. It's not like you know your lower back or right or your even the, your upper your, arm you know we can cover ankle, it with the sleeve anything yeah. like that you know
1: yeah no right on the for- yeah there's no getting around that one mm. the forearm one yeah uh so anyway it gives us a chance it gives hank a chance to reconnect with Becker in a bit mm-hmm. in a way um we see some very stuff funny stuff from Eddie uh pulling out a gun on the uh the tattoo people mm But what it does is it brings a little bit of light, it gives a little hope for Becca and Hank, but also uh, the Eddie character sees this and says, oh, I'm definitely playing you. But this is about a guy who's trying to hold it all together while it's all falling apart.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. You listen to a bunch of things, but did you? Because I remember you brought that up last week. did Did you catch that from the promo that uh, that line? Yes. Okay, I was it was making, in the promo. I was make, I was making sure I had a hazy memory about that. But yeah, that's so.
1: So so, so Hank the uh, described the world class stone in your shoe uh, once again gets a reprieve. Mm-hmm. Well, we were are left with some hope. Yeah, because if if the if the Eddie character is going to play him, this big movie's back on. And, you know, uh, as, as we can see with Charlie Sheen uh, or we have seen with Charlie Sheen that in Hollywood, if you're successful in making money, they'll kind of fix, yeah. they'll float you. <laughs> so there's a little hope that if this movie gets made, if Stu gets on board, if all this stuff comes together and it is successful, then uh, there'll be some, there'll be a bigger shot at reprieve for Hank. Mm-hmm, yeah. And we know, he, you know, his lawyer. Is gonna is gonna get back on the case in some capacity.
3: Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I I don't know if it's ever gonna because yeah, she's gonna re- recant her position uh, and recommend a new lawyer. I just I, I just feel like it's gonna be more of a person. I I think we're headed toward the white picket, not not like permanent. I'm just saying in a way, but uh, just kind of more of a stable thing for Hank. I don't know what it'll be, but
2: well, I mean, it was interesting because Becca said, you know, like. I'm the one who's supposed to be effing up. You're the one who's supposed to be at home with right. mom watching TV. Right. But <laughs> I, it was funny. During that, I was saying
1: to Phil, because we know some, Phil and I know some people, and Phil and Stu, you guys being young, you know, you're, you're at the ages where you're supposed to be messing up. Unfortunately, I know people 10 years older than you who are messing up in that way or far worse. And, and <sighs> that's my line of them, like, guys, no, you're not supposed to be. Yeah. You know, Phil, Stu, they're supposed to be. You're not really supposed to be. You know. <laughs> so it's interesting anyway that this is going on. Um we'll talk about the Can You Be a Hank Moody Too? experience we'll go over some news and gossip but let's let's go to commercial want to find out what the
0: afterbuzz is about Janice is a drama queen this yes. is the
1: divide that is going to carry the series
0: give us a call at 3478558269 this television and they want it to be as dramatic as possible you don't mean it it's Shakespearean. you never
3: know
2: what goes on behind closed doors
0: get in on the afterbuzz
2: 347
0: now, in the eyes of Jimmy, Nucky is a villain. Listen on iTunes. I mean, who would you guys rather hear that from? Find us on Facebook. Your husband or your best friend? Follow us on Twitter. And then
2: she's trying to kill oh, him, so it justifies that? it. I'm like, oh, now it makes sense.
0: And <laughs> visit us at afterbuzztv.com.
2: <laughs> the wig, the wig, oh, no, that
0: wig, come off, baby! No, <laughs> what? Boardwalk Empire, Desperate Housewives, Glee, Gossip Girl. Breaking Bad. Mad Men. True Blood. The Walking Dead. Big Love. Jersey Shore. The Oscars. Celebrity Rehab. The Emmys. If it's hot, you can bet we'll be buzzing about it.
1: So we've gone back and forth the last few weeks and like, God, is the Hank Moody life life realistic? Is life in L.A. like this? Number one. Number two, can a guy at this age... Kind of waltz around the way he does, and have so much promiscuity, uh, pull so much tail, and get away with it. So I decided to uh, to venture out. Wow, Kevin,
3: that is such uh, that's really high of you. Yeah, very so heroic, magnanimous, very heroic, correct? Yeah,
1: to go out and see if I could do this.
3: I. How did you do it? Did you, you put it all on the line? Did you give? Did you write your will? Did you uh, did you
1: I, I listen, okay. I dotted the I's I crossed all the T's. Okay. And I knew I had to take one for the team for After Buzz. Thank you, Kevin. But seriously though. Now 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 listen.
0: I know After you're... Buzz T V
1: exclusive. Kevin goes to a strip club. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, now you're being facetious, Stu. <laughs> but let me tell you something. Would you at about two in the morning or one in the morning get in your car and drive to some strip club in the valley alone? No, that's that's about the time I'm going home. Okay, but would you do that? For for the,
3: for this podcast,
1: yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Alone, some seedy place in the valley. You would no, no, thank not, you. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay, no, you wouldn't. So so don't stop acting like okay. okay. Oh, you know, <laughs> giving me such a hard time because it was something that I was like, God, this is weird. I was on my way home, and. You know, wanting to make these some of our special statements stronger. Mm-hmm. And asking myself, God, I've been talking so much about how I feel like his life is realistic from living out here as long as I have and being from the East Coast like Tom Capinos. Uh but I said, Okay, it's time to put the money where the mouth is. So I went into uh, a strip joint in the valley and, and I was I was uh, I was a little nervous, but I think I kept remembering Hank wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Could you see Hank being nervous going to a strip club in the Valley? No. Never, right? So, eat, and I think that's part of his his charm. Yeah. I think that's part of what works for him. So I kind of had to go back to my acting background a little bit yeah. and clear that and just go in like it was no big deal, like I do it every day. So I went in and went up to the bar, and I got a water. They don't um, serve alcohol here. At the only at the topless clubs, but the full nude bars don't. Which was different for me because I know in huh. on the East Coast, it's not like that. At yeah, least in Boston, not, not from uh, not not in Dallas either. But I have to confess, I the reason I was able to have some success was because I was so honest. But I think that was Hank Moody, right? His character is so honest. That's yeah. his his whole uh, um, his whole shtick. Mm-hmm. So I was honest to the point that I said, okay, um, I do this weekly podcast for the show Californication. I asked if, uh, the, the uh, stripper if she had known the show, and she didn't. But uh, I said to her, I'm here to see if it's possible. Mm-hmm. And she said, what's possible? Well, if it's possible to live like this character, is it possible to, to just have an easy conversation blah, 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 without having to lay down a lot of money? Because I was like, I know, and I, I joked with her. I said, I know if I put down a lot of money, you'll have to s- sit here and talk to me. Yeah. see, <laughs> like, that's true. Um, anyway, I kind of got in her head, and I got to talking. And she said that uh, guys over 40, for her, were much better to talk to because they're much more secure mm-hmm. with themselves. They're not really trying as hard anymore. They kind of know <laughs> who they are and what they are. And she's like, and I find that to be a turn on. She could also find, uh, she said, like, yeah, of course, they have more money too, and they're better clients. But overall, I'm not going to go around here and chase these young guys for 10 or $20 bills. If, if I'm going to just get a $10 or $20 bill, I'd rather get it from uh, an older guy hmm. who is uh, more secure with himself and more down to earth. And talk, 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 talk. <laughs> and now uh, we exchange phone numbers. Oh wow. So it was and I said, you know, I, I said, Oh, that's weird. you do this one? She said, No, no, I don't. She's like you sound pretty cool. And I didn't I, I I just kinda left it at that. But I feel as though I think you could be Hank Moody.
3: And this was the uh the first stripper. So let's go to the second, third,
1: uh um, This was actually the second one. Oh, this is the second one. This is the second one. The first one was a more corrupt, just, just, just was like, let's go to the back room. Oh God! You can have a private dance for 150, and then you can have a, a longer private one for 300, and it, that's all it was about. <laughs> and a couple of cliche lines, like, "Oh, you're the only normal one here." I mean, if you remember the episode of South Park uh-huh. where the where the kids um, went to their version of Hooters. <laughs> Oh, no. And they're like, you guys are nothing like. those. The waitress comes up to the boys and yeah. says, "You guys are nothing like those losers over there," and she points to another group of kids at a ta- another table. Yeah. But you see that every waitress yeah, yeah. is doing that. Well, yeah, my first stripper, that's what she did. Okay, all the cliche lines. I did oh, you're the only normal one here, or you know, she she's. So were you still a little bit reserved because it seems like you, you were more on? No, but, right yeah, away because the no, one. because she yes, because I knew. That because she was putting on an act. She was putting on an act. So it made you kind of... And I threw out a couple of the Hank Moody zingers. Yeah. And she just was like, okay, you're annoying me now. Give me your money or uh. I'm leaving. <laughs> so she left. So the other girl came, and it was the same thing, but it was a little... It was She was doing less of the put on. She just was, hi, what's your name? Mm-hmm. And what brings you here tonight? And more that line of questioning. And so I told her, I said, you know, I do a weekly podcast every week on a show, Cation. Have you heard of it? And she's like, I haven't. Um, but we got into it from there. And it ended up being a very, very long conversation. In fact, I think I got there around one thirty, quarter 2, and it closed at 4. And as the lights went out, we were still talking. Oh, wow. So we hugged goodbye. It was nothing. There was nothing between us, you know, uh, physically. But uh, it ended up being really interesting. She's like, no, it's slow tonight anyway. And, you know, I've made my money. She's like, tonight I made a lot of money. And this was actually really fun. Hmm. So.
3: It's interesting. I, Not You don't, like, hug your waiter goodbye, but, like, a strip club. You're gonna, a stripper, you, you can, you can hug your strippers goodbye.
1: Listen, I <laughs> never got strip clubs my whole life. I'm like, what do you mean? You go in there and you pay this girl just to dance for you, and then you don't get to go on a date with her or take her out or go home with her, nothing? Like, I'd rather go and at least get drunk at a club because at least if I don't get anyone, at least I'm going to get drunk. Uh-huh. But I have a shot at taking someone home or, you know, getting someone's phone number or going on a date. So I never got it. And then you get older. And then you know what? You get it. Okay. It just kind of cuts to the chase. I, and you get that companionship for the night. Yeah. And it was nice. And, you know, she got it and I got it. We, you know, two, like, lonely people just mm-hmm. had a really nice conversation. And I then she's like, come back. You know, she's like, I'll text you next time I'm here. So you know, next time it's slow. I'd love you to come in and we can – I'd love to talk some more.
3: Interesting. I – my only strip uh, strip club experience was my 18th birthday, and uh, I was I was I was sort of I was I was kind of traumatized in a way. Not not okay. like
1: not like uh, one of those
3: stories. That's or,
1: very young to be at a strip club.
3: But uh, I was like, this
1: is not
3: what I expected. No, hey. no. You I, listen, <laughs> we'll revisit
1: this when you guys are 30. Okay. And to for, to see the appreciation. But I didn't have it at your age either. Uh-huh. And it was one time that I did go. It was a couple of years ago with my friends. We were in Vegas, and. I looked around, and it happened to be a night that was slow. My friends actually tend to be very funny. They're, they're guys who just like to drink and like to have fun. They're actually not big on picking up girls. They just like to have a good time. And you know, if you do go out picking up girls, the one thing that most girls do like is guys that do want to have fun. Mm-hmm. More more so than a guy who's like chiseled or good-looking. It's just someone who's fun and wants to have fun. So my friends are like that. So girls always used to come to them. And at the strip journal, I'll never forget – It was a slow night at the club, so it was just me and my, like, seven or eight friends. And there was probably 12 or 13 girls all sitting around us and on our laps. And as we kind of all talked and we were making them laugh, and a couple of my friends started stripping for them, and it ended up being an amazing time. And, again, no numbers exchanged. No no one went home with anybody. But it was fun. And I was like, where would you get this? Where would you have, like, 12, like, hot 20 to 23-year-olds sitting on your laps like this while you're drinking your beer. Great time. Great yeah. stuff. Great stuff. So highly recommend as you get older. When I you're hope, younger, you're not going to appreciate it, Stu.
3: I hope we get some sponsorship out of this, a uh, little promotion we're doing. Oh, my yeah. God. Speaking
1: of sponsorship, yeah, you know, this would be the anti-sponsorship. Yeah. I think is a, this is the type of segment that will kill sponsorship. <laughs> Needless to say, um, that was my, uh, my Hank Moody experience. I, and I believe now, would it work in another city? I don't know. But mm, in L.A.? You're good. It was working. Mm. It was working, which is why we love the show. I
3: think we should I, should. I think we should extend this beyond the strip club. I think we should. Uh, we should try the library next. A vast, it's total. Can
1: Hank do this at the
3: library? I. You know, Hank did it in a writer in a bookstore. I could th- do it. So no, uh, I think
1: I could because at a bookstore, especially in LA, you you just talk to someone about the art of screenwriting uh, uh, or whatever. I think so. Yeah. So that's do I have different. to though? No. No, I, I'm just saying it. I, be, I was hoping you'd say, geez, maybe you should go back to the strip club not three or four <laughs> times. I'm not, I don't think I'm quite understanding this guy. Oh, and maybe. and yeah, Maybe I can come. So maybe I could be Runkle. Nah. Like, I'd rather you say oh, that. Oh, yeah, back. yeah. i and, and then we Runkle. And then we'll go back. All right, Phil, please, just just get, take me out of this with news and gossip. After Buzz
0: <laughs> TV News.
1: Okay, so am I going to read the news tonight? Uh, no, you know what? I prepped a little bit. So, All uh, right. I'll give it
3: a shot and see if you guys make fun of me or not.
1: Go. But, uh, anyway.
3: Uh, Rob Lowe has his hairdresser to thank uh, for his role in the show after the stylist recommended him to David Duchovny. Duchovny said, this is going to sound very Hollywood, but the guy who does my hair, he's really good friends with Rob and, and works with him, too. So I was telling him about the part that we'd written, and, he mentioned, Rob and I, uh, he mentioned Rob, and I said, well, that's a fantastic idea. Let's call him.
1: Okay. Well, that was decent. It was getting better. Yeah, it's getting better. <laughs> a little rush. Just relax. Keep. Make sure you're talking to the mic. But uh, not bad. But okay, <laughs> this is actually very realistic. Yeah, no. A lot of us in the business, you know, who have, you know have the same uh, service people, whether it's a stylist, makeup artist, you'd be surprised mm-hmm. how much business goes down that way. I remember uh, just at my recent
3: internship back, back September through December. Anyway, my my supervisor was just telling me all at your the,
1: internship, where was the internship? At the
3: Defenders with CBS. Okay. Uh, um, but anyway. But yeah, whenever she talked about getting people jobs, it, I mean, she'd always be hearing about them through security guards and just uh, and and parking people and like just just people you would not expect to get you the job. Right. But yeah, I mean, that just seems well. To be,
1: and and I'll tell you, that generally, with a stylist, a celebrity stylist or a celebrity makeup person, um, celebrity security personnel, they're the ones because they they usually the stars have the same ones. Mm-hmm. So I know with Maria Menounos. The person that does all that for her also does it for all these other big, giant, A-list clients. Mm. So they're all kind of in the same clique together, and they communicate through one another. Yeah. Oh, tell Maria I read her book and I loved it, or I loved her piece with yada yada, and Maria will say the same thing in return. Hmm. Th- and they'll communicate through them. So it's actually very realistic. And then these guys become agents. And, uh... Who, no, 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 no. No, <laughs> no just happy to just, you know, they all know they're in the fraternity. They know they can trust one another. And... I'll tell you, an agent saying, hey, you know what, dude, get Rob Lowe is one thing, but someone that you work with every day and trust, like your stylist, mm-hmm. says, hey, you know what, no, he's a real good guy, he's real down to earth, you'd really like him. Mm-hmm. You'd got, you're would you going to listen to that person rather than the agent because you want to work with people you know or people who know who you know because mm-hmm. it's such an intimate thing. And again, we talked about this last week with the Capinos, I'm sure. Um they have pretty tight control over the people they work with. Yeah, yeah, They want very decent people, fun people. People are present. People are going to take the role serious. People are going to give it their all, yada, yada, yada. And anyway, I think that's an interesting piece of news, and um, but certainly not, not unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now, what do you say, Phil? What, what else do we have for news? Stu.
3: Uh, and that's your After Buzz TV California News and Gossip for the week of February 13th, 2000. Alright, can
1: you say yeah, it again there. now? Can you project it, Phil? Uh, uh, Stu? And that's your After Buzz TV California. Because no, so you, you have a really great voice. You have a way better radio voice than me. It's very deep. It's very clear. I have like traces of the Boston accent. I mumble. I hate my radio voice. You have a great radio voice. Okay? Mm-hmm. But then like sometimes you just get into this like... And that's your After Buzz TV California Cation News and Gossip for the week of
3: February 13th, 2011. All right, let's do it again now. You do it. And that's your After Buzz TV Californication news and gossip for the fe- for the week of February 13th, uh, 2011. All right, We're going to go forever. All right, we're no, gonna go we're going to do
1: it next. Can we be ready next week? We'll be ready next week. All right, but uh, much, much, much better work. All right. Um.
0: And now, your After Buzz TV predictions.
1: With my. Fine lead-in, um. <laughs> like I, don't know, I still don't know the format after all these all these shows we've done, over 100 episodes. Okay, predictions. Uh,
3: well, my my main prediction is, well, of course, what we'll, we we'll get in our uh, our next week preview was Abby wants to pull out, and Karen's uh, going to be having this love triangle now. So uh, we're going to see a lot of, I, I so, mean, that's okay. basically why I'm right, waiting Let's back see, up. Yeah. So
1: now, Phil, can we edit all that out, please? And start from the top. All right, will do. All right, thank you. We're going to see Kamo Macchiata uh-huh. back. A love triangle between Karen, he, and Hank. We see them both holding her hands under the table when Becca and her friends are performing. Yes. So we know what's going to happen there. We also know that Hank's going to be getting a new attorney.
3: Right, because uh, now that Abby has slept with Hank. Uh, she, she says, I can't be your attorney. Sh- I can't be your I'm going to get you anymore. another one. Yep. What else did we see? Uh, that was that was all that I that I that I wrote down. That's all that I remember seeing. All right, yeah.
1: So that's next week. Hmm. God, God,
3: I, we're so I thought I should mention uh, Hank's uh, book that got him started. God hates us all is actually a real book now, and it's on uh, Showtime. Uh, dot no way! Who yeah. wrote it? Hank Moody. It, that's what it says in the
1: book. How brilliant! Yeah. Capino's probably wrote it. Let's find out more about that for next week. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everyone. I'll see you next week. Yeah, we'll see you next week.
0: For producers Kevin Undergaro and Phil Svitek, engineer DJ Jesse Janity, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in to the AfterBuzz TV network. If you have questions, comments, or would like to host an AfterBuzz show of your own, be sure to buzz us at info at AfterBuzzTV.com. And you can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter by searching for TV.